Hello and welcome. You're listening to Epic Podcast, Emergency Preparedness in Canada. My name is Grayson and the date is May 9th, 2018. And this is episode 17. We didn't start the fire. Being fire smart as a community responsibility. In this episode, to celebrate Emergency Preparedness Week and encourage personal and community preparedness, we'll be taking a close look at arguably the most impactful wildfire mitigation initiative going. To this end, we will be speaking with Kelly Johnston, the Executive Director of Partners and Protection Association, which is in charge of the well-known FireSmart program. All this and more on this episode of Epic Podcast, Current, Relevant, Canadian. Well, as Emergency Preparedness Week continues, we've seen a lot of great initiatives, a lot of really amazing preparedness activities across the country, but we know that people are going to continue to fail to prepare. And I can't help but think that maybe that national strategy of know the risks, make a plan, and get a kit is underplaying step one. Knowing the risks is far more complicated than most people give credit to, especially when it comes to wildfires. So to do our part in demystifying how wildfires spread and what you can do to manage your wildfire risk, we thought we would do a quick hazard-specific episode on wildfires and their mitigation. And to get this information, we went straight to the source, FireSmart Canada. My name is Kelly Johnston. I'm the executive director for Partners in Protection Association, which is the nonprofit that owns and manages the FireSmart Canada program and and brand. Um, myself, I'm uh, I have a background as a professional forester, and I've been uh, involved in wildland fire management um, for about 28 years, um, starting as a wee little crew member back in the 90s in British Columbia and working through um, various positions with the provincial, federal, and local governments in wildfire management. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us today for this epic interview. I'm wondering, can you just tell us what fire smarting is and why it's important? Okay, so um, fire smart, the term fire smart is used as a brand to... um, to label the the mitigation of of uh, of communities and individual properties, uh, and help them become more resilient and um, fire adapted. Um, you know, we we really work pretty heavily on what's called the home ignition zone concept, and so the home ignition zone starts at the structure, and works its way out from the structure to um, discover that the first um, 10 meters or 30 feet around a structure is actually very important and how that's managed and then all the way out to um, actually all the way out to 100 meters surrounding a structure and um, recognizing that um, most structures don't exist solely on their own they're part of a community or a neighborhood and when we talk about those distances out to 100 meters from a structure, um, we can see that each structure's home ignition zone would quickly become overlapping with uh, neighboring structures' home ignition zones. And therefore, um, the community or the neighborhood is heavily reliant on its neighbors for mitigating their own structures and those interlocking home ignition zones to actually 
significantly reduce the threat of wildfire to the, the entire community itself. Um, and then, you know, going beyond that, when we start to take in other values uh, beyond whether a structure survives or not in a wildfire, and we start looking at what values drive a community, for instance, forestry, tourism, um, or even just whether um, infrastructure in a community like a watershed or, or utility infrastructure is impacted, then we actually expand our um, FireSmart application out to the community level and then eventually the what we call the landscape level, which you know could be an entire watershed or beyond. And um, that's you know that's what we the FireSmart concept is 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 focused on um, again bringing it back to um, individuals and uh, more importantly communities being fire resilient and fire adapted. The susceptibility of the individual homes are are the responsibility of of the homeowner themselves because they're the, really the only ones that can that can actually change that environment. Uh, they don't want you know government or someone else coming in and telling them or doing things to their homes that they don't want to be done. But uh, because those individual homes make up a community, um, and you know the really it's it's the weakest link concept that if 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 any one of those homes is susceptible to wildfire um, it can create problems for the rest of the community and and propagate fire through the community it is really it is really the idea that you know those individual homeowners have have a responsibility to look after their own home for themselves but also for their community that makes sense i'm wondering if you can just tell us a little bit about the the technicalities of how fires spread through communities as it has to do with fire smarting, because I'm, I'm thinking of sure. a raging fire charging towards a community. How could I possibly prevent or uh, mitigate the damage by doing little fire smart things to my own home? Why is that important? You know, many people look at, think of a wildfire as a big flowing you know, flowing into community like lava, and but fire doesn't actually spread that way. I mean, fire, fire spreads from one point of ignition to another point of ignition, and and the three ways that it that it does that is through either radiant heat, which is like the heat you feel when you're sitting around a campfire, uh, convective heat, which is the heat that rises from the fire. So, um, in the smoke, essentially, as you could, that's that that's convective heat and then and then um, conductive heat which is which is through embers that are that are pushed forward of 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 a wildfire and and it's actually the embers that have the um, the biggest impact on communities because the embers can be pushed kilometers ahead of a wildfire and um, you know as humans we could walk through an ember storm and and it would be pesky and we'd get little burn holes in our shirts and stuff like that, but we'd survive it just fine. Um, but, but ironically structures, um, are, are highly susceptible to these embers or can be highly susceptible to these embers, particularly if they have flammable vegetation immediately surrounding the structure. 
um, and or the structure itself is susceptible. For instance, um, wood shingle or shake roofs can be highly susceptible to, to embers. Um, debris, flammable debris like pine needles or dried leaves in gutters can, can, be, can be ignited from embers and, and start fires that will spread into the roof and attics of the homes. Um, vents in homes can, can suck embers into the vents and into the attic spaces or other spaces of the home where it can start fires within the home. And uh, embers can land in things like wood piles that people have piled on their deck or even lawn furniture with uh, the big foam cushions can be ember receptors where they can ignite and create a significant heat source directly adjacent to a house. So that's, you know, that's really what uh, we're definitely concerned about that radiant and convective heat. And that's why we talk about these distances from forest and thinning the forest out. But really, we're, you know, we're, we're even more concerned about the embers that, that are transported well ahead of the fire front and well into the built environment, as we call it, or the developed areas. And, you know, a good example, there's some photos out there, um, you know, both involving um, the Fort McMurray area and the Slave Lake area where you can, you can really see these homes already ignited well ahead of well ahead of the main fire. Does it work? And can you tell us about some examples where it has worked? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. There's, you know, going back to the um, where all the research came from, as I said, it was a it was joint research that was done by the U.S. Forest Service and Canadian wildland fire agencies. And so uh, it, it demonstrated very well that certain distances actually work in certain building materials actually prevent ember ignitions um, and in there's a number of case studies from 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 places like um, Waldo Canyon in Colorado Springs from the Four Mile Canyon in Colorado um, from Bastrop in uh, Texas that have looked at different buildings and components and which ones survived and which ones didn't and uh, it reinforces um, why homes didn't survive and reinforces why other homes did survive. Wow, and I know that was echoed again in in Fort McMurray as well in their after action report is that uh, they could literally see the effect of fire smarting on the surviving homes. Correct. Yeah, and um it's really it's it it is really it can be as subtle as uh not having a pile of combustible or flammable debris underneath the deck for instance pine needles piled under a deck that can make the difference between a home not surviving or surviving a wildfire and you know you can you know taking it back to the homeowner's responsibility you can see that that the homeowner is actually the only person that can make sure that that they keep you know regularly clean under decks or regularly clean gutters out or that they don't pile firewood next to the home or that they you know keep any flammable combustible materials away from the home so let's say i'm a, a responsible homeowner uh and i i don't have any really blatant violations of fire smarting what's one thing i can do today to further decrease my risk where we're really where we're really trying to steer things is that that new homes that are built get to the point where when new homes are built, they start with a, it is already fire resilient and mitigated, you know, due to building materials and the landscaping on the home. 
then it would be, you know, the responsibility of the homeowner to maintain that. And we're actually seeing um, some real challenge in that where, where, you know, some municipalities have taken the lead and really, um, really ensured that when, when the developers build these new neighborhoods that they are fire resilient, you know, they've, they've got, uh, ignition resistant siding and roofing materials and the vents are all screened properly and the windows are double paned. And, um, but then what we're seeing is once homeowners move in, they quickly start to do little things that, that decrease or erode that fire resiliency. For instance, they like to put bark mulch around the perimeter of a home or build a cedar fence that connects right to the home. Uh, and then right away, they're starting to chip away at the, you know, at the armor of the, of the home being fire resilient. And so, um, you know, if a, if a homeowner is starting with a brand new home, that's already fire resilient is to really inform themselves and educate themselves on, um, on what they can do not to erode that that defense that is already there. And we have, um, you know, FireSmart has a number of programs that keep people educated uh, and engaged. And one of them is the FireSmart Canada Community Recognition Program, which is a neighborhood level program. And it really helps everyone uh, build a fabric within the neighborhood uh, as far as um, really understanding, working together as a community and really understanding what is required to be resilient to wildfire and, and um, making sure that that happens or continues to happen in the community and the other, uh, the other um, products and programs that are offered through FireSmart are site uh, structure and site and area hazard assessment forms that, that the homeowner can just download off the internet and 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 do their own assessment just to make sure they know where there are and what the vulnerabilities are and that makes a lot of sense but it's things that i wouldn't necessarily have thought of on my own like the the vent intakes being screened and that sort of thing how do we make this more common knowledge how do we turn this into something that can be sustainable well so our job uh, meaning mostly my job, I guess, <laughs> and uh, in from the national level is to is to make is to to listen to our partners and work with our partners at the provincial government and local government levels in creating resources that their communities are asking for, um, and then getting getting those resources, sharing those resources with with our provincial partners and local government partners um, so that they can share them with the, with the local homeowners. So the, as far as an individual homeowner, the, you know, the, the two things they could probably do is, is visit um, firesmartcanada.ca, um, which is our website. And there's a whole bunch of resources on there. Or they can, you know, I, I more so I would encourage them to to visit, to contact their local fire authority and um, ask about FireSmart at that level. And if they don't, if the if the local fire authority doesn't isn't quite yet on board with the FireSmart um, program to um, connect them with the FireSmart program. Um, 
infor- let them know that it's there and that that residents would like to see it like to see it um, launched within their community. Um, so I can say that we've been doing a, as from my from our perspective, we've been doing a lot of outreach with the local fire departments across the country. It, it, it would be tough for a resident to find a local fire department that didn't know about FireSmart and couldn't provide them with resources for it. Well, great. Kelly, thank you so much for joining us for this epic podcast, and thank you for everything that you do to keep us prepared. Oh, thanks for having us. Really appreciate you helping us get the message out to help people become uh, more wildfire resilient and fire adapted. And that's all for this episode of Epic Podcast. But before we go, I do want to point you to a tool of the trade, which, of course, is the FireSmart website, more specifically, the FireSmart Homeowner's Manual, which is amazing, uh, full of really easy to understand information and probably some surprises around what you might have thought was just decoration or home improvement might turn out to be the fuse that lights your house. So take a look at it, become more fire smart, become more prepared, and we'll see you tomorrow as we continue our epic emergency preparedness week streak of podcasts. Thanks for listening. You've been listening to an epic podcast production. A proud partner of IAEM Canada, the International Association of Emergency Managers. As always, EPIC podcasts are designed as a supplementary educational tool for the EM professional, and the views and opinions explored during this podcast do not in any way represent the agencies or organizations that we or our guests may be a part of. For more information about the show or the people on it, visit our website at epicpodcast.ca or follow us on Twitter by searching EPIC Podcast. And finally, a big thank you to all of our contributors and to you, our listeners. Please stay tuned for the next episode of Epic Podcast, current, relevant, Canadian.